pretty funny. I like that. You know, one of the most beloved Christmas stories of all time, it's one of my favorites, I have to watch it every single year, is Charles Dickens' Christmas Story. I absolutely love that movie. I love what it stands, what it talks about, you know. Um, but it's just a great story. And in, that, in the book, uh, Mr. Scrooge is quoted in saying this, If I could work my will... Every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. <laughs> Sounds like Mr. Scrooge, huh? Mr. Scrooge set a, a precedent, anger at the holidays. You know, I can picture him now shaking his fist at the traditions and blaming people for the loss of the ones that he loved. Ball humbug. But you know what I want? I really want to know what's in that package. Don't you? Weren't you just the least bit curious? What is in that package? What, what, did, what gift did he get? I don't know. He don't tell. I have no. Just, just decide for yourself. But I want you to think about Lewis for a moment from the video. Some would say that Lewis got what he deserved in that video. A ride on the conveyor belt and some seriously painful injuries as a result of his seriously rude, obnoxious, and painful responses to people. Others might say Lewis got what he did not deserve, a Christmas gift laced with grace from one of the people whom he so crudely offended in that store that day. The point is, Lewis entered the store with pride and exited with more humility than he probably realized he needed. And in his humbled state, Lewis became a candidate to receive one of the gifts of Christmas, grace. I love this. Grace is when we get what we don't deserve or when we don't get something we did deserve. I do have a PowerPoint. Okay. Grace is when we get what we don't deserve or when we don't get something we did deserve. Think about that for just a moment. Here are two examples. Some of you might can relate to the first one. I don't know. If you were speeding and you know you were speeding, and you absolutely deserved a ticket, and the officer comes to you and says, I'm going to let you off with a warning today. That's grace. That's grace. Now, if you are in line at the coffee shop, and you're getting impatient, and you finally get to place your order, and the barista says, um, that guy who was in front of you uh, bought your coffee. That's grace as well. Those are two perfect examples of grace. Grace, getting what we don't deserve and not getting what we do deserve. If you have your Bibles, you can go with me to Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 8 and 9. And I want us to look at this. 
Verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So grace, getting what we don't deserve and not getting what we do deserve. Think about it. Think about grace. All of us know, and I believe that everyone here, unless you've never been to church before, you may believe this, that Jesus is the reason for the season. We see it everywhere. We see it plastered all over. We see it on publications. We see it on the internet. We see it on Facebook. We see it all over the place. We see people posting sayings and signs that say Jesus is the reason for the season. So I believe that we know this. And many of us in this room, maybe some of us in this room, get offended when people say happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. Now, we may not take it to the extreme that Lewis took it to, but we find ourselves in a happy holidays versus Merry Christmas verbal war, and we think we are trying to love God by somehow defending Christmas. The problem is we seem to lack any sense of what's desired in the eyes of God when it comes to loving others. You see, the way that Lewis handled things is not the way a Christian should handle it. Jesus said, people will know that we are disciples of his by the way we love one another. That's what Jesus said. Not by how we prove we are right. How many knows that as Christians we don't have to be right all the time? The only thing that we have to know that we do believe in and we know that we're right is when it comes to God's Word. But now I know many people out there can interpret God's Word differently. We all have our own opinions, and the only time that we will know the exact fact of exactly what God's Word is telling us is when we leave this earth and go to heaven, and then we can ask God, well, God, what did this passage really mean? Right? I know there's several right now that I'll read it, and I'm thinking, man... I, I think it could be this, but then so-and-so says it's this, and I could see that too. And so one day I'll get to walk up to God and say, hey, God, I was just curious, you know. Um, what, what, were you, what were you meaning here when they wrote that? And it's probably more simple than what we make it out to be, right? Grace is less about being right and more, and more about being right with one another. Religion and the law are about being right. Religion has been defined as rules and regulations without relationship. If you remember, the religious scholars during Jesus' time, they were what? They were all about the law. You remember there was a time that they tried to trap Jesus, and they came up to Jesus and they said, Hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment of all? What is, you know, and so, and Jesus knew that there was over, what, 600 laws? 600. And they thought, he said, God, which is, Jesus, which is the most important law? And Jesus was very smart. What did he say? He comes to me, he says, well, 
First and foremost, the greatest commandment of all is love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then he says, and the second one is just as great, love your neighbor as yourself. Basically, out of all 600 laws, Jesus took it and he summed it up in two, and he said, these are the two greatest commandments. But the religious scholars wanted him to think that the laws were more important. Every one of them was important. We need to know every one of them. But Jesus just simply said, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus was about loving the people that God had created. John chapter 3 Verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. John 13, verse 34 says, Love one another as I have loved you. In the stable, there were shepherds. Now, I don't know about you, but the shepherds were not, was not the most glamorous profession of the day. It was pretty smelly. <laughs> if you're out there with sheep all day, you're going to stink. Right? Especially in the summer, it's hot, you're sweating. They didn't smell the greatest. Wasn't the most greatest profession. But look, look who else was there. Not only were the shepherds there in the stable that night, what about there, there were kings bringing gifts to the family, taking temporary refuge. Gifts that cost more than a shepherd made in a lifetime. Everyone was there. Think about all the visitors that came by. All we know is those that are told in the story or those that we put on in a Christmas play. But I, I promise you, there was probably more people that might have heard of this news. I mean, angels out in the field proclaiming that this... Do you think that it was silent after that? It started out as a silent night. But whenever the angels are shouting and saying, Look, behold, here's the Savior that's going to save you the world. He's in a stable. If I'm an onlooker, I'm thinking, hey, I want to go see this baby. If you've not been that way, been out somewhere, you hear, hey, there's a fire going on down the street. What are you going to do? You're going to walk down the street and go look at the fire. Right? It's what attracts people. Don't you think that the Savior coming to save the world was attracting people, and as it's being proclaimed by the angels that day, don't you think there was more than just the shepherds that heard of it that day? that said, I got to go see. But think of all the people that were there. Come to see the family. No one was excluded. And as we remember the arrival of the Christmas season, we remember that this is all about love. The Christmas season, it's about love. It's about grace. If we love God but we miss loving our neighbor, we've missed the way God wants us to experience a Merry Christmas in the first place. Amen? The gift of grace allows us to love our neighbors, whether they greet us with Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, or nothing than a simple, what's up? <laughs> grace makes room for people and gives them space to come near and experience love. even if they have a different perspective than we do. You know, there's many people here this morning, and all of us have different perspectives than others. We all have different ideas. We all have different opinions. We all have different choices. We all have different likes and dislikes. 
There's some of you here that like broccoli and some of you can't stand it. Right? We all have different likes and dislikes. We are all different people. And so I believe that all of us can come to an agreement that grace makes room for people and gives them space to come near and experience love even if their perspectives are different than ours are. Amen? And you know, I know this for a fact that from the day that Jesus was born, there was room for all kinds of people to come near to God. Amen? That's what Jesus did. He came to the earth that there could be acceptance for all of those that accepted him. When you look at Lois, Lewis from this video, Lewis was full of pride, full of anger, full of judgment, full of exasperation, and full of himself. And I don't know about you, but nobody wants to be around someone like that, right? However, when you are in the presence of a person who is full of grace, that person changes the whole temperature of the room. When you have somebody that's full of grace, a person full of grace not only has received a gift, but also becomes a gift to all who come into contact with that person. Isn't that amazing? It's all about grace. Our text refers to grace as a gift from God. In other words, the only way to get saved is by receiving a gift straight from the hand of God. This great gift is called grace. Salvation is a gift that none of us deserve. <clears throat> Excuse me, but we get it anyway. Amen? Salvation, listen to me. Salvation is a gift that none of us deserved, but we get it anyway. Because of our sin, damnation is something that we all deserve, but none of us get. All of this happens because of the gift that God gave us through the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. If we ask Jesus, if we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, then the gift of grace is something that we will receive. The gift of salvation is something that we will receive, and we will be free from damnation because of that sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross and because of the fact that we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Lewis forgot that he received the gift of grace at some point. Somehow, the grace he received in the past got mixed up with religion and the need to be right. Lewis said, all this time I've been bound up by religion. And he said, I don't want to be bound up anymore. Religious determination and the need to be right all the time becomes wearisome. It causes a person to get bitter, angry, and full of pride. A person cannot earn the saving grace of God by being good enough or working hard enough. God is not about proud, loud, and arrogant people. Amen? He wants to get into their proud hearts, break them, and fill them back up with grace through moments of humility that sometimes are brought about by painful scenes in their lives. Look at what James wrote in James chapter 4, verse 6. It says, God opposes the proud. But I love this part, but he gives grace to the humble. You know, maybe God was trying to show 
Lewis some humility. I mean, do you think that it was a coincidence that here Lewis is making this big scene in front of everybody, up in front of the, stands up on the conveyor belt? Don't you just see that's an accident waiting to happen? As he's on this conveyor belt, he picks up that mic, and he's, in all his arrogance, it's not holidays, it's Merry Christmas. Don't you think maybe God might have had something to do with that conveyor belt coming on? Don't you know that God has a sense of humor? Don't you know that God has ways of humbling us? I mean, how many times in our pride and in our arrogance do we do something that we think, man, we're doing this for the cause of Christ. But really, it's just our own arrogance. It's just our own prideful nature. And I believe that God wants to knock us down another notch. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34 says, Toward the scorners, God is scornful, but to the humble, He gives grace. You know, unfortunately, when people think of Christians, they think of people like Lewis. They think of the people who are anti-everything. But what if we could get to the point where people would see Christians as the people that hand out food to the hungry? send aid workers to the country that had the earthquake or was the one by their mother's bedside when she passed away. Shouldn't this be who the Christians are? Y'all have heard me say this before. I believe that Christians should be the best at everything. I believe that we should be the best workers on our job. I believe that we should be the best people that you come in contact with out at the supermarket. I think we should be the, the ones that are the most kindest, the most sweetest. And you say... Well, that's not my personality. You're right. But when Jesus came in and he saved my life, he did something inside of me. And it's not for just me that I want to be that, but it's for him. He made that sacrifice on the cross. And it's because of that that I want to be the best that I can do. And know that because of that grace that God gave to me whenever he allowed his son Jesus to die on the cross, because of that grace... I can in turn give grace to others. Lewis winds up in a full body cast. He's restricted, bound up. He's the very embodiment of what religion can do to us. He was bound up mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And because he let that get the better of him, he winds up being bound up physically. Lewis was bound up, tied up, knotted up, and clothed with religion and rules for much of his life. However, the gift of grace that he received from a store clerk that he lashed out at that gift, that simple gift of grace what's inside of it doesn't matter it was a simple gift of grace saying look everything's fine I'm extending grace to you and that lesson that day humbled 
Lewis. You see, life is more than being right. Life, as God intended, is about being right with our Creator, God, as well as, well as being right with others. It's where the gift of grace comes into play. Grace is what enables right relationships to occur between God, others, and us. Grace is a gift. It must be received in order to be experienced. Oftentimes, it must be extended to move back into right relationships with others with whom you may have conflict, disagreement, or differences. So what's your body cast this Christmas? What is your body cast? Is it the cards? You sing Christmas cards? Some of us, maybe, no. If we get around to it, right? We're lucky to get them in the mail. Hey, we've done this multiple times. Kelly and I will have them all addressed, ready to send out. And what happens? We don't put them in the mail. So guess what? We wait till the next year, and we hope that maybe they'll get sent out that year. And guess what? A lot of times we forget, so we finally just say, well, you know what? We'll just try it. If it happens, it happens. If it don't, you know, well, forgive us, please. Maybe it's the cards. You have to send a card to everyone on that list, right? And you, and, and you don't even know half of them. <laughs> I mean, my, you know, I, I used to call, Mom, hey, can I have a list of our relatives? Who are these? <laughs> They're your distant cousins. Okay, sure, I'll send them one. Why not, right? And if uh, that person didn't send you a card last year, marking them off the list this year, you know, they're not getting one either. Bless God. So we're off everybody's list, okay? Uh, <laughs> a lot less junk mail that way, right? No, it's you know, moving on. Is it the gifts? Huh? Is your full body cast the gifts? Somehow... We have learned how to celebrate the arrival of unconditional love into the world by standing in line to buy a video game called Zombie Death Annihilation Squad. I mean, right? I mean, we'll go and we'll stand for hours. I saw in the news last night, maybe you saw this, in Florida, there's a guy that has, pinched, that has already pitched his tent outside of Best Buy. It's two weeks to Black Friday, people. He's already got his tent out there. He's already got his plan. I'm thinking, there is nothing in that store that's worth me spending two weeks. And he said, well, what happens? Are you, are you happy after you receive the gift, after it's, if you buy that item? He said, no, it's all over then. Until the next year. I'm thinking, that, dude, that guy needs to have his head examined. I mean, right? Okay, moving on. And why does that package under the tree with your name on it look suspiciously like a vacuum cleaner? Anybody? You know? Maybe it's family. Maybe family is your full body cast. Dozens of relatives descending on your house and eating your food and offering advice on your child-rearing techniques. And when his sisters show up with one, count them one pie to feed 17 people. I mean, right? Can't you help a little? Anyway. Maybe it's church. Yeah. 
Maybe the one place that's supposed to free us to accept God's love suddenly becomes the most restrictive. Think about it. Christmas can feel like a body cast. Can't it? Not only can we receive the gift of grace, but grace is ours to give as well. Grace is ours to give as well. Can you let it go when someone takes the parking spot that you've been circling the parking lot trying to find? You know what I mean? Especially if you go out shopping on Black Friday. Let me tell you, it's hard to... I remember I used to work at what's Verizon now, but it was Altel, right out here in front of Kohl's. That parking lot was so full, they were parking in ours, and we're like a long ways from the store. And I'm thinking, my goodness, I had trouble finding a parking place in my place of employment because <laughs> we didn't go to work until the normal time. Can you let it go when the turkey is burned on the outside and pink in the middle? How can we free others this season? How can we unbind someone else? Today I want to close with the words that Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 58, verses 6 through 12. It says this. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked, that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations and you shall be called the repair of the breach, the restore of streets to dwell in. Let's pray.